Well, I got to start this podcast with a gratitude, and I'm taking a cue from a from a, my first podcast where I was reminded that making sure we say thank you and and deep thank yous to people that help us with you know our thinking and help move us along in uh, our projects and sometimes just kind of give you that that hand up to pull you up to that next level. So I got to throw out deep thanks to Derek Rodenizer for allowing me to jump onto his podcast, Edgy Thoughts, and not only that, being open and willing to kind of collaborate a little bit, and as much as you can in podcasts, because my question to him was, hey, you know what, if, uh, if you're sort of bringing a little bit of conversation from your side, can I bring a little conversation from my side, and uh, maybe you could share the audio with me, and we can cross post, and he was totally into it. So what was phenomenal about this conversation that we had is that we bounced back and forth the ideas about the the future of education and what could possibly be new forms of personalized learning for teachers and students. And I felt like somewhere in the the sweet spots of the conversation, we both managed to uh, find our place. It was a pretty remarkable conversation. The Chasing Squirrels podcast is is always trying to find out and explore what some of the changes are in education. And those changes can happen to both uh, workers inside and outside the box. And this episode is no different. I really thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Derek, and I hope you do too. All right, Chris, I pressed record. Welcome. Hello. How's it going? It's going well. You? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right. We had a little chat there off mic for a few minutes, and then we got to get this thing on the road. And uh, let me frame what we're trying to do here. You ready? I'm ready. Throw it down. Okay. So, eight months ago, I started a podcast calling it Edgy Thoughts. I made a word up. <laughs> and uh, actually, you know what? I made this word up. I swear I made it up on my own volition. And then I looked it up and other people are using it. Ugh. The domain's already owned. It's very frustrating. But not using it a lot. And the domain's owned and no one's on it. You know anyway. what? By volume, you can always push out interest too, right? Post positive, it's going to start showing up with all your content either way. Yeah, there you go. So, um, so I started this and... Uh, over this little journey, I've got a chance to get a hold of a few different podcasters. I then discovered there's very few Canadian podcasters. Mm-hmm. Matt Roland was on his podcast, mm-hmm. and now I met you, and you're one episode in, right? I am. <laughs> this is fantastic. And so, Chris and I are going to converse together, and then frame this thing separately, and do two birds, one stone, right? Yep, for sure. I'm totally gonna put like a robot voice on you, and like sound <laughs> zipping cars in the background. GarageBand is awesome for that. Yeah, you got some really cool post uh, going on your uh, on your podcast. Mine's bare. You know what? It's just it's me, it, just me messing with loops. That's it. I actually, I I actually, I I made a song for you. You made a song for what? Sorry, I made a song for you. I've been that's, for that's, me. That's the sort of like the back back thing that I'm doing for each of my episodes. I'm just messing in teaching myself GarageBand. I'm just messing with the stuff, and I'm creating a song. I'll send you. I'll send you the MP3, but it's going to be sort of like the lead-in song. And it's funny because my spouse came down. And she's like, "You're making another song." I'm like, "Gonna do another conversation." She's like, "You do one for everyone." I'm like, "I think I will. I think I will." Because <laughs> it's fun, man. That's good. I mean, I just been ripping off uh, open source uh, old school funk beats that I enjoy. Oh, dude, I found one. I found one that's hilarious. It's called Big Bird's Date Night. It's the best little funky <laughs> tune. I was going to use it. And I thought, I actually felt like because I already because I made one for Jen Giffen. I have one in the like locked up for Roland, but I have, I'm long game in that one. I don't think I'm going to talk to him for a little bit. And it's nothing. There's no. Do there's you guys no, know each other? Do you know each other from previously? Uh, he, Roland, and I connected online and then we met i called it a blind date at a um it was a, um, a regional exchange for a canadian education association and it was just okay. on the email list that i saw his name there and it was just it was 
you know, like you, you, we go to these conferences and you sort of hope that you're going to connect well and you hope that, you know, it's something besides the catering is going to be good. You're going to be inspired. You're going to sort of like network, take some names. Um, and I saw his name on there and I thought that's cool because I, I really, really appreciated his his online presence and I felt um, I felt in line with a lot of the stuff that he was mentioning and sharing and creating. And uh, yeah, I met him and it, it worked out well. So we've only met once face, we've only met, met once in real time. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've connected online. Cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <clears throat> so um, I kind of want to talk to you like a little bit, well, but a bunch of things. But one thing I want to talk to you about is where, like why you're doing the podcast thing, because I feel like we're kind of aligned with that. So yeah, yeah. why are you podcasting? So I started this year in a brand new brand new portfolio so just quick quick backstory um in my 11th year of teaching and i've gone through several different iterations of myself so when i first got hired on i was teaching i'm a, I'm a chef prior to becoming a teacher and so i was lucky enough to get hired on to teach hospitality so teaching oh, cool. secondary level grade 11 teaching foods so basically, um, here's your primer for getting a job in the hospitality business. So, I taught that course, but I am not a chef. It's a great course, eh? So <laughs> that is a great course. It's a, it's and and like I said, so if if you just dig the content, it's a great course to teach. I mean, if you're handed content that is completely in line with what your previous career was, like how can that not be your best first day teaching ever? And I had yeah, a really, no it was a really nice on ramp to teaching to be able to do that. So I went from there into guidance, and then from guidance I went into spec ed, and then from spec ed I went into something called alt ed, or personalized alternative education, and my current portfolio kind of comes out of that a little bit. It's a program called Access, and it's, I work with students that have been expelled or suspended. So that's my, the quick bio. So when I arrived in this place, there's four sites in our board, and each access in itself is its own school even though our particular site is on school property we're our own school and in working with uh, students that have been expelled and suspended i had a lot of questions around programming a ton a ton and i had so much feedback loop on myself as far as am i on the right track do i use old tools do i need to seek out new tools what resources do i need like i just had so many questions rattling around in my brain i needed a way to tie it together. I needed a way to kind of capture it. And I've only realized in the last couple of years that if I don't see it outside my head, I, I or hear it outside my head, then I lose it really quickly. Um, it just, it kind of just floats on down the river and right. I don't get back to that thought easily. So I've started to write a lot more, started to reflect a lot more and I started blogging. And with the blog, I started to do vlogging. So little short video clips so I've, I put about 11 of those together, 10 or 11, and it was sort of, you know, post-conference or post-interesting day or just walking home from work, something that caught my attention, conversation that I, I needed to capture. And from that, I it was kind of just coming out of that and being on YouTube and sort of listening, including audio in my reflection, not just typing it out and rereading it, which takes a long time. Yes. You, you, you need to be able to sit and stay. Um, I think I wanted something that was more in the moment. You know, I could sort of be more present. If I had a thought, I could just rip it, drop it, upload it, and share it. And I think podcasting fell somewhere between that cool developing the story, sitting in front of your keyboard, and finding a story by having a conversation. So here's where I've landed. Well, I've, I found I've, I've, it took me a while to settle into where I like it, but um, I've now got two streams on the podcast, and it's that's working out really well for me. So I've got this this method, which is a conversation with someone uh, forty five minutes ish, yep. depending on everything, somewhere between half an hour and an hour, and then another I'm doing the five these five minute things I'm calling edgy slams. Yeah, and that is like sort of my quick blog and, and it feels that way where like I said like, I get this idea out I gotta hammer this thought out like I need to get my ideas out on it and I find it's a lot easier to get into like flow or get into like the real sort of kernel of what you're thinking for me anyway 
when I can just sort of throw it out quick and speak it instead of worrying about sentence structure and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I, I, I like the... I think that's and I and I wrestled with whether or not like I have I have them sitting there still on YouTube and I have it sort of I guess available tag back to back tag back to my my blog and I and I thought yeah should I flip the audio should I flip the audio into you know into the podcast and have it as sort of extras in there and I'll start building kind of content there and I don't think I'm going to do that I think I'm going to keep them because I really like and I hear what you're saying about the edge slams. Like it's like you're, like you get on fire, and you got to you got to get that idea out of your head. You you don't necessarily want to bounce off anybody. It's just pinging off in your head, yeah. And you and you want to capture it. And I think, I totally hear you. I think it's great to have the the two streams. I think it allows people to sort of think. Well, I like calling it that because I was, I was I was uh, I didn't want to be preachy. Like it's not my not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to put my opinions on some of the, somebody else, but. You sort of said you need to get it out, and that's how I feel too. I just need to get it out. Like once I've spoken it with somebody, and and, and it's different than just thinking it in your head. Really, like when you've said it out and you've shared it, even if nobody else engages, you've you've put it out there, and it it's something about that that really adds to the process. Yeah, I I kind of I'm sure someone's run read you know written some some uh, developmental kind of journey paper thesis on. Um, the benefits of podcasting versus private journaling kind of a thing like that's sort of like the balance between for me it's it's I as someone else in some podcast somewhere was saying you know the amount of time it takes to kind of develop the maybe it was you someone was see you started to get kind of kaleidoscopic in your in your knowledge eh? I just <laughs> steal it and claim it I'll end up saying in the podcast and like yeah Clough totally said that he said this and it was somebody else but anyone could quote me and I don't I don't give a damn like take it I give it away for free anyways but I think that's the spirit that I'm going into this um had a really interesting conversation with uh, a colleague where uh in my teaching practice so alt ed alt ed it, it is not a it is not a curriculum based program it is a support program. It's uh, in some ways, they're, they're, I'm a teacher, period. That, that's it, There's, I'm a teacher. I mean, I have a lot of other resources and tools and tricks and sort of like loot bags associated with that. But um, a student could come to me and then I now I'm going to be your grade 11 business teacher or I'm gonna be your grade nine academic English teacher. Like my ability to teach is entirely dependent on the relationships that I make with other teachers to get their content. It just so happens I'm working with this kid right now. So I've kind of really gotten used to the open source. Can I have yeah. it for free? I'm going to give it back to you in a different version. If you want that extra copy, I'm going to tweak it and I'm going to send it back out there. I'm going to flip it right away and give it back out there. And I think that is really, that's in my heart with this whole podcasting thing and even blogging in that it's the, can I post positive and put my thoughts out there in a way that you know, if my kids, 50, my own children, 50 years from now, if they find it, they're like, wow, cool, that's what dad was working on. Or if a parent comes across and like, you know what, I, I, want, I was wondering what Clough thought about that moment. Or, you know, even my colleagues where they say he, he just keeps coming up with this stuff. Like that's, it's, it's just existing. You said it, I said it outside my own head and, and trying to reach outside my classroom. So... Yeah, one of the, I think that's a huge piece. Like we can't we can't be insular, right? I was getting uh, <laughs> Roland to bring up again. We got him and I got into a little conversation about um, school not being real. Mm -hmm. It's not the real world, and I and I I, under, I can understand that at times it's not, but I feel like it 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 should be. Like it should be part of the real world. It should be authentic, real learning that makes a lot of sense outside. Like I don't like this idea that if you just walk into a school, you've walked into a separate bubble mm -hmm. where like reality no longer exists and it's this other place and then you step out into the real world like I, I don't I don't understand that I don't get why you would want that as a goal and um, I think a big way to avoid that is not being insulated right talking to your colleagues in your building talking to your colleagues in your board um, and I'm an independent school and I was talking to uh, Peter Cameron yesterday he's in North Bay and mm. sort of hilariously we have we feel similarly because he's he feels isolated by geography and I feel isolated by sort of the type of school mm -hmm. and both of us have been feel like that's the catalyst of why we've been connected and how it's been helpful mm -hmm. 
but I think that I think that everybody really needs to figure out what it is that works for them. And I'm going to tag on to something you said earlier where you talked about this river of knowledge. So when I first joined Twitter, I started... It actually was a little bit frustrating at first <clears> that you don't know anybody, you don't know how to speak the language, you don't have any followers, or no one's on your uh, in your PLN, really. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it starts to work and you get excited, right? So I got excited, and then I would try to bring in my colleagues, and I found this video that I was playing with people, and it was explaining Twitter like this river. And it's this river of ideas, and ideas flow by, and you, you catch the ones you like, <clears throat> and off you go. And so I've been a huge Twitter proponent for years, but lately I've been noticing it, really noticing it, as the river mm. so if, like it's it's great but these ideas they sort of fly by and sometimes you miss them and then even if you do catch them it's really hard to delve into something in 140 characters um, and I actually had a pretty decent conversation I don't know if you caught it you did I think you tweeted on it I, I started a random hashtag this morning called um, what is failure mm-hmm. because the conversation started to go that way and it felt like it needed a hashtag and so it went off and we ended up getting sort of 12 or 15 people on it and chatting and that was pretty good but even then that's kind of the extent of it like it's hard to get deep and that's the reason that I brought the podcast in so uh, Wesley Fryer said to me that um, you need a knowledge trap so all this knowledge is floating by on say Twitter or whatever else you're using Mm -hmm. but you need a trap and if that's blogging for you or if that's podcasting for me or whatever that is, that's that's where you get a chance to do that deep dive, mm-hmm. right? Just dig a bit deeper, figure out, um, spend some time, block off some serious time, you know, an hour or whatever, and really sort of get into it. And uh, and that's the sort of thing that I'm finding here. And I've talked about it a lot on my podcast, so I feel like people listen to me a lot might be annoyed at this point, but I think that it's something that really needs to get out there. And and, and with this EduSlam, I've been starting to invite people to, to do the same. Like, you don't have a podcast, that's fine. I get it. There's stuff to do. You gotta you gotta get a web page, you gotta maybe get a SoundCloud or Podbean or whatever. And then and, and there's there's processes involved, right? You're playing with GarageBand. There's lots of there's there is some work on the yeah. back end. So I've been inviting people to just do a quick audio recording, say on their iPhone or whatever, mm-hmm. and shoot it to me and I'll frame it. Because I've already got the back end stuff all done mm-hmm. and, and kind of get that voice in. So just I'm really trying to get because I'm starting to get an audience, right? Most of my most of my podcasts are, you know, a couple hundred people are, are playing it. So trying to get those people to get engaged with us and, and try to make this bigger. And it's one of the reasons I'm excited to contact with you and Roland and, and any other Canadian podcaster I can get my hands on and try to make a bit of a network of podcasters. Yeah, I'm I'm pushing I'm I'm pushing that that exact same, I guess, uh, f- philosophy. The, the the thing that I'm I'm adding like I like the idea, I love the idea of of more CanCon and sort of getting getting to that experience that feels just a little closer to home. Um, the stuff that I've been connected with in the last I guess couple years ish, I've only really been starting to take Twitter seriously. For me, it only started to fit I think in the last year or so. Um, it's it's a lot of Americans, so you know my. Yeah. My my go tos are you know the Alice Keeler and and uh, and Casey Bell and these other sort of individuals that I know are stateside. They're not up here. They're well, ex- it's good content, it, but, it, it's, it, but it's different. It's it just is. different. Well, and and it's something that it's it, it's different and it's the same. It's just it's content, right? And I kind of I you choose to engage and you choose to connect or you kind of go yeah okay that's a repeat and you know there's sort of. Um, double double posts and all that kind of stuff but where it really gets me is because because of where I teach right now and the space that I teach in it's myself and a CYW and you know CYW our, is a uh, child and youth worker so okay. it's myself and a counselor in this space our classroom cap is 16 so that would be the maximum that our particular site would handle before students would be shifted around to one of the other sites and it is very easy it's very easy to believe that you've got it going on and that you've got it all locked down and everything is a okay and you're doing exactly what you know kind of what is expected but what is also best for kids and when i go looking for resources i do it because i'm interested i'm just a curious fella but i'm also going looking for specific things to help my kids that bless you that uh that stuff that'll help my kids sort of improve and regulate right. and connect and everything that for whatever reason when the dice was rolled I can do 
some of my students can't they can't do that so well so you know if if my if my space is small and my resources are only as big as my shelves then i need to be able to look a couple degrees outside my door i could go over to the local school right beside and sort of sit in on pd there i could email someone and ask a question but i'm finding that the the fluidity of conversation doesn't exist in ontario as easily as it does well canada is a little bit bigger but definitely i can drop myself into a sat chat on oh, yeah. saturday morning and get a ton of ideas a ton just for the taking it's like go take it and that breaks my soul where i come back to that breaks my soul it really it, it i i don't know why i i uh, say so you were talking about your i i totally i get you when you say that first little bit on twitter and like no one's listening like how do i how do i craft a conversation here hello and you're sort of knocking at the door and no one's responding yeah. i feel that exact same moment but in a bigger sense when i go looking for ontario content yeah i mean that makes that makes perfect sense it really is <clears throat> it really is a missing piece so uh this is why i'm stoked that this is episode two so here you go yeah. i know of three people <laughs> in ontario doing this right now that's awesome Pretty stoked. absolutely all right so before i go off on another tangent do you want to take a turn sure sure i was gonna i got a I have, I have, uh, I loved, I'm not sure who you were talking to when you were, you were talking about some of the terms or words that are kind of bouncing around inside your head and uh, you want to get some clarity on it. I think that was partially what the Twitter conversation today you yeah. spoke about. Well, <clears throat> it was that idea of failure. Yeah. It was Roland, actually. So now three times he's popped up in this podcast. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was him. I threw I threw five words at him, and mm-hmm. and uh, and then from there I, I decided those could be my next five edge slams. So the first one was failure, and then I talked about it again with <clears throat> Peter Cameron yesterday, failure, and then he put out an image today, and that started the uh, hashtag going. Gotcha. So where one of the things that um, I. Okay, so my my current so many fascinations, like so many things that I, I I I ask a lot of why questions, and I'm trying to get better at asking why so that I don't upset people. Because I find uh, even in my new portfolio, sometimes asking questions that were answered two or three years before I got there, and and the answer is still echoing. Right. Um, I arrive with new eyes. You know, you sort of try and get the best of the new people that are in there, and I'll ask questions and. And one of the one of the spaces that I'm existing in right now is asking questions around uh, the, the numbers that are a part of our education system, like the 40 hours of community service, the 30 hours, uh, 30 credits to graduate, uh, six university credits. Now, that's not not where I was going to go with my question with you, but I sort of these are the kind of cages that I'm rattling right now because I want to know what the context was leading up to that decision so that I know what conversation to have in my mind to try and make these things better, more robust, more useful, more current, let's say. So here's here's one of those sort of ideas that I can't get out of my head, and I think you're the perfect, perfect individual <laughs> to post it to. So um, in looking at something like podcasting, and let's let's sort of track about it, say, let's say that it's it's that the blogging is the gateway drug, so to speak. Um, you sort of decide to do podcasting, maybe you're doing vlogging, but you're sort of deciding to post your reflections openly online with some little bit of expectation that someone's gonna follow, if we use that jargon. Someone's gonna follow, someone's gonna interact, someone's gonna sure. reach out too. Tell me what you think about this, okay? So is it possible, do you think, that within our career time, within our careers, that we're going to see something like podcasting and blogging replace formal professional development. Replace it? Yeah. <clears throat> um, or, or just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, well, I think it. <clears throat> I think it should really become part of the equation. Um, so, what I think is interesting about this is there is a pretty strong voice. So outside of those who are, are podcasting or using Twitter, let's just say, let's take them out of the equation. I think with them out of the equation, there's there's still a strong voice amongst teachers um, to have 
professional development be personalized, be uh, you know useful for them, the just-in-time style professional development. And I think this makes perfect sense, right? Like I could, I could. <clears throat> so uh, I'm the academic director at my school, so I can sit in a closed room and set up a whole bunch of professional development that is good quality professional development. Maybe even it's world class. Let's just say. And I present it, or experts present it, or whatever. If I'm presenting it to teachers who are already experts in the field, or who teachers who um, aren't at the point where they can even digest this information yet, because they're too beginner, it's useless. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's the best, it's not the best, right? Like there's um, one of my hobbies on the side is jujitsu, so I've been doing jujitsu for a while, and there's this great quote. Uh, from Helsing Gracie that says the right move at the wrong time is the wrong move mm-hmm. and and I believe that's the same thing right across the board and it definitely plays in professional development so okay so if we sort of agree to that if we agree that we can't blanket professional development then the, the we have like there's kind of no other answer the answer is you need to personalize it mm-hmm. okay so how are you going to personalize it are you going to have um, 40 presenters for your 40 staff members and, and have 40 different sessions going? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So, but within, wait, but, but it, it, it does. If well, it we does understand. if you frame it within this age of the internet. Okay, cool. Right? Like, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to be able to pay to bring in 40 people to sit in 40 rooms to talk to 40 individual people. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But if I set up the day so that each person had a chance to go out and find that expert in the field that they could speak to, whether it be in real time or, or whatever, then that makes a ton of sense and mm-hmm. is completely doable within the technology that we have. Really, like I've said it a bunch of times on this podcast. I love getting people in Ottawa to come into my studio, which, by the way, is my basement and two microphones and my laptop. <laughs> I love that. Um, but you got to label it, right? You've anointed it. I love it. Yeah, welcome to my studio. Um, <laughs> it's the Rodenizer studio. And uh, so I love having them in because it's nice because you're, you're, you know, you're face-to-face. You, it, it's a better conversation. However, yeah. it is way, way harder to organize. Like, way harder to organize. You've got to, first of all, we got to find a time that works for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you might need babysitting. You might need somebody else to organize your kids, whatever, if you have kids. And then you got to drive here, right? We're going to talk a bit beforehand. We're going to talk a bit afterhand. Like, you know, we've cut into some time and, and figured out logistics to make it work. To do these online chats, super easy. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, I found it, I've had sort of, you know, quote, t- famous um, teachers on here with like 70,000 followers um, way easier way faster than some local educator friends of mine right so with the internet we can do this like we can personalize it so but the, however there's a whole bunch of bumps in the road like a ton of bumps in the road so if I'm wearing an administrator's hat how do I validate that right how do like if you are uh, occasionally checking out Twitter chats on the evenings or weekends or, you know, you're podcasting or this or that, like, how do I create a, a circumstance that I, I I know what you're doing and then I, I validate what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, the richness of that might be difficult to quantify. Um, I'd like to think that you know, we're good professionals, teachers are professionals, if it doesn't, you have a professional designation, you're responsible to the College of Teachers, like, you should give them maybe a little bit more freedom and maybe something as simple as a professional development journal that's that's submitted every whatever quarterly would be enough for an administrator to say, oh look, they're doing this, 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 this. And uh, I could personally, I could I, I could see that being a lot more rich than than the sit and listen style professional development. So I think we could get there, but the hoops might be a bit tough. It's it's kind of like this no grading thing, right? Like how do you jump through those hoops? I had Star Saxstein on, and she's it was interesting. She's like, nope, I don't grade. But then when we dug into it, <laughs> there are grades. Like, she's figured out a way to jump through these hoops. She has she has the students present their material, present their grade, and then defend their grade based on a whole set of, of, of information. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's actually, really, it's a more robust grade than, than one person's opinion. It's like a, it's almost like a committee. Yeah. So, she is grading. That's how she's figured out how to jump through this hoop. So... I suspect that there will be a way to have professional, personalized professional development become more dominant um, in what we do. 
and it's already starting like you said the, uh, how annoying it is coming south of the border but it's already starting in the states <clears throat> where certain school boards in the states require a certain num amount of time professional development and they're allowing people to count badges at mm. that time so if you can get like a a Google certification, the Google teacher certify level one, two, or whatever, then that, and you get a badge, and that badge could be counted against an amount of time of professional development. Mm -hmm. So that's a little superficial, but it is, it is still individualized, and you could do that when you have the time to do that, which is my personal favorite thing about this, right? Like we were going to talk yesterday, and then I managed to completely mess up my shoulder and I was getting some painkillers, mm -hmm. um, and we just canceled it on the dime, and, and then we picked it up today, and and it was fine, right? But that wouldn't have been the same if I was going to, you know, a scheduled conference where there are thousands of people going. They weren't no, going to stop it for me. Yeah, no, and it's, it's there's a, I think there's a, uh, I'm not even sure if I'm using the word quite bad. I think there's also, there's a correlation, a correlate, cor, cor, something like cor that. The correlation a, would be two things connected to each other. Okay, so um, I loved what you said about the accreditation and looking at badges as um you know part of your your part of your training and as as clear and as let's say dense as your teacher training whatever it might be so you're adding these kind of uh you're adding these levels and layers to your learning because you're interested but they are generally accepted at some point you know like maybe let's say 5 6 years ago the idea of getting your level one educator through Google was sort of kind of nuancy and neat and, and sort of a niche thing, but it has now become, and not because I not, I, I think and any reason for anything that Google has done per se, but I think it's by capacity, people are saying this is important training. Well, and boards are going Google and teachers are, are being forced to, to learn it. And so <clears throat> if I'm going to learn it, why not go through that process and, and, and get it, right? Instead of just like, I just I figured it out on my own. Yes. I haven't actually done the qualification, but yeah. I can see why one might. Yeah, and I, and I, don't, I don't know if you necessarily have, because you can be as skilled and ninja at it and not bother with any of those badges. But there's, a, there's, a, there's, an, interesting, there's an interesting thing happening here that if if it's the elephant in the room there's a there's a parallel conversation that i think should happen or maybe it's happening in some areas at secondary secondary school level where what if a student got their their sort of google certification would you give a grade 11 programming credit for it? something like that a digital media a like is there is there any space in the same conversation that if teachers are accrediting themselves on their own and there's seen as valued by the board let's say is there space also then to talk about students getting accreditation on their own and for instance a student that uh, completes their lifeguarding swim um, uh, swimming certification could a student get a grade nine phys ed credit for that right. so these these alternative accreditation models which i think are very much on the table right now but i don't know if anybody's really talking about it well, I, on think... a, on a, I say micro but actually probably on a macro scale um <clears throat> the way people the way students but people everywhere is learning our learning is is becoming much more open source yes right so i changed my toilet the other day and <clears throat> if i was changing my toilet 10 years ago um i would call my friend who's done it before I would call my friend who's a plumber I would call a plumber um, but maybe I would maybe I would do it myself and I would get someone who knows how to do it who I know in my circle like an accredited type person like a plumber or some handyman and then I would take that information and I would go and do it well now I'm, I'm putting in change toilet into YouTube I'm watching that and uh, and I did it and it was fine it was more than fine it was excellent um, Toilets are surprisingly easy, almost concerningly easy, actually. I know. Yeah, for what? For the for the for the dark side? Yeah. <laughs> Am I really? Is it really just a piece of wax? Anyway, whatever. So, um, and uh, I've done that. I've done that for a few things that people have sort of said, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's I've uh, ceiling fan in the bathroom, the toilet. I I um, I've built, you know, sound. everything in my car, everything." <laughs> 
Yeah. I have no knowledge of my car at all. It taught me how to change an oil. It taught me how to do all sorts of stuff on my car. Like, why not? Like, why not open source this thing? Um, and it's working, and uh, these people seem to know what they're doing. And, and you know, it, I get it. There's a little bit of risk because you're not dealing with an accreditation. That's necessarily talking to each other. Like you said, if you get your NLS and I want a gym credit for it, well, NLS and the Ministry of Education or National Life Saving, right? And mm-hmm. Ministry of Education, they're not talking to each other. No. So you and I can agree on a superficial level. They're both physical. You know, they're, they're, probably. Probably by you doing your NLS, you're meeting some, most of the expectations in a, in a certain level of, of phys ed credit. But no one's gone through and checked those boxes, and that's where the fear is going to come. Well, and I think this is where, this is kind of where my brain exists. My brain exists in there. It's like, what, what, will, what will education look like? Because that 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 I that type of change is is quick. It can be surprising to some. It can be completely mystifying. Like how could they ever do? You know, I why would I give up my binders just to put things in Word? You know, like it's that sort of like paradigm shift kind of cold water down your back moment. Like how did this ever happen? I still have ten years left in my career, and now I have to deal with this. This whole sort of like big flip. I, I exist in that space and I don't know if it's by choice. I think it's just because my brain reaches out to there. But I, I ask myself the question daily, you know, what what else do I need to do right now to prepare for that possibility? And it's not to trim anything that I'm currently doing. It's the preparing for when that happens. Well you look think- historically, like education is sacred, right? Like if you look back, like look all the way back. It's this it's this it's this odd sort of sacred cow. Mm-hmm. Where sort of a long time ago, you know, there was only a, cer- a certain handful of people who were, say, literate or able to go to, you know, Jesuit schools or whatever. And then, you know, it became more public as the um, Industrial Revolution came along. But even in that environment, there was a teacher, there was a professor, there was there was somebody who was accredited who was standing on top of their soapbox and they had it and you didn't and they were giving it to you. Mm-hmm. And now that's starting to break down where there's a very significant number of teachers who are starting to, to say, well, no, no. I'm not a sage on the stage. I'm a guide on the side. And, and you know, whether that's happening 100% or not, it's certainly that shift is beginning. And and that power is taking away. And there's definitely that pushback from, from the profession. There are those who are okay with that. There are those who are not okay with that. And what you're suggesting makes a ton of sense. You're opening up. You've got this huge jar of information, like through YouTube and through Twitter and through podcasts and through all these things. But if you're going to open that up, well, then you're taking it away from a lot of people, or at least they're going to feel like you're taking it away from a lot of people. And I think uh, I think that might be one of the big stumbling blocks there. Well, this is the cold water, I think, right? Yeah. This is definitely the cold water. I was uh, connecting with a former superintendent of our board. I posted out just a question, and she reached back and and sent me some some stuff. And I'm I'm looking at education education documents going back through the you know 50s 60s and 70s and the flip in the late 80s into pretty much what our current look at education looks like um and i'm still focusing at secondary and i'm looking at you know how the credit it was 27 credits 33 credits you could fast track all this kind of stuff and it's funny because you go all the way back to part of one of the documents uh the superintendent sent me and back in the 60s there was the exact moment in time that we're having now that the row and row learning the sort of um as you said that sage on the stage they needed and it was very much of the 60s we need to open this up we need to go where the kids are interested we need to sort of create not only interesting learning opportunities but interesting learning opportunities that put upward pressure on industry and and i just i think what we didn't have then that we do now is the open access so that was an Ontario phenomenon that they were suggesting in the 60s about education. Now what we have is that this conversation that you and I are having right now is not private. And the moment that we sort of think about or forget of the power of what you and I are talking about right now is, is, is it's a fundamentally flawed kind of mindset. I think we have to expect that someone's going to hear what we're talking about and, and use it well, let's say for, for good or for something interesting, but that didn't exist back in the 60s. You could have these planning things and people are like, yeah, this is really cool. And nothing would co- go of it because it's right. one, one province, one silo. 
I got to tell you, I'm I'm preparing for like this 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 sort of like a sort of like this this big paradigm shift where all of a sudden, I think post secondaries are going to say, well, what if six uh, six university bound credits is we we don't that's not all we need. I think to go to university, and we see you know the shifting accreditation. Like I just I feel the the weight of change coming down the pipe, and I'm and, I, and I'm wondering. I'm fascinated. Yeah, I mean, it kind of. I suspect it'll have to like <clears throat> change is inevitable, right? There's no avoiding change, and it won't necessarily go down that road, but it, some, something will happen. And the in this, it's this funny thing with the internet, in that it, you know it's everywhere at this point, but I don't know that it's really being harnessed like it can. Mm-hmm. Other, and 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 when it does, <laughs> when it does, it'll it'll be different. And uh, and and I'm intrigued. I think this um, the way you get your information is going to be a big piece. And I and I don't think that YouTube example is light. Like most of my students, a lot of my students, especially sort of grade seven and eight and above, and and, uh, and I taught for a long time. I taught students with dyslexia mm-hmm. um, almost exclusively, and and almost all of them <laughs> were doing a lot of their learning through YouTube. Right, like this this video content is so powerful. Right. Um, especially if text is hard for you to access. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the big piece of the internet. Yes, there's tons of text, there's tons of blogs, there's tons of this and that, but there's more video and more audio than ever before. Right. We were always going to the encyclopedia, we were always going to the library, and you might have a book on tape, maybe, but like the amount of information that can be accessed in a non-text way mm-hmm. has is amazing. And I think that's going to change things a lot. I asked um, just before I left the my previous uh, when I was at my former school. I was teaching, uh, and I still do. I was teaching the careers course, and the careers course is wonderful, right? Like you can some of the some of the best conversations in any class, hands down, came from me asking the students. And usually, I would do this on on the front end of the the course. I would ask them if if their career choice is future proof. And there's just like you you start with silence and then you slowly get to, well, what does that even mean? And then you sort of flow a lot of times where it ended up was them sort of looking at me and like, hey, yeah, teaching's not future proof either. And I'm like, this isn't a fight. This is me in the same situation as you, as in let's let's talk about this. What 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 understandings do we have to have to sort of. Uh, keep ourselves on track for work that we want and and what kind of skills do we need to develop and are we doing it you know I had a lot of kids convinced that because I said let's talk about some some futures that some careers that are future proof um, we came up with um, professional hugger <laughs> um, potato potato chip tester or taster I said because testing you can't approve potato chips is that the issue there? yeah it's yeah. unbeatable yeah okay. and um, uh, animal psychologist. And why the, animal psychologist? I don't know. I guess people are. I guess the assumption, the built-in assumption, could be a flaw: is that everyone's going to have pets and they're going to all have traumatic things they have to work through. Are there what animal was, psychologists? Yeah, yeah. Now, see, this is what I love. This is why I love this exact moment because when you have technology in the class, when you have technology in the class, and I assume you have technology in front of you right now, that's not just us recording. Because so many times when I said, you know, the kids would come to professional hugger and I always made sure that I got that one in there somehow, just, you know, you load the dice just a little bit so that there's good combo. Inevitably, I would hear from the back of the room, yo, you could get paid 75 bucks an hour to be a professional hugger. And then you sort of go from there. Like it, it actually is a real designation. It That's is a multidisciplinary real... field designed to study the behaviors and cognitive processes of non-human animals. <laughs> so, and, I think. So, yeah. No, no, <laughs> dude, dude, you had flow on that. That was awesome. So I just part of part of that being future proof. Ninety thousand dollars annually. So you're finding these things. Yeah. There you Internet. go. The internet's an amazing thing. So put it, putting this. Yeah. No. No. Putting putting that idea of future proofness out there. I usually would cap it and I would ask them questions about, you know, do you think that your children or your grandchildren will, will be in school like you are right now? And again, sometimes you just hear the crickets, but then every once in a while a kid would be like, no, they're only going to come in the afternoon or no, we're going to learn everything online. And I think these are, these are critical conversations to have. I think the fundamental problem 
with when we you know in talking about the, the future is that I think teachers are actually more willing to go there than the students when all things said and done some of the kids like I said to one of the kids it was actually talking about the hospitality I said what if what about if the hospitality course um, so we do the numbers so you're in hospitality course five times a week one period a day so you're doing let's let's say let's say five hours it's a little bit more than that 75 minutes a period but let's say five hours a week do you think that you could do a five-hour shift on a Friday night at a restaurant and some of the kids in the beer were like well, no I don't know how to work in a restaurant but by mid-semester they're like yeah yeah I think you've taught me enough I said so why couldn't you do a Friday night shift at a restaurant instead of being in a classroom with me and then the real interesting thing happens like well what am I going to do with the rest of my time right and I say well have you heard of genius hour or <laughs> so this is this is the this is the sort of like how I see the future kind of invading our lives, but I don't know if we're connecting dots. I, I don't know. I don't know. And it all started with podcasting. No, but it's, uh, no, it's certainly interesting, right? It's, it's worth, it's worth, it's certainly worth thinking about and what elements, you know, which like it's your classroom teacher today, like what elements of that might fit. Um, it, I had two, two interesting podcasts, pretty close back to back when I first started. So Mark Weston, um, you may, maybe you follow him on online. He's, he's pretty prolific and he, um, he's shift paradigm is his handle. So mm. that shift paradigm. And, and he talks about the paradigm shift in education and, and he brought this really interesting, um, analogy we worked through together where you saying like, if you take, you take a bike mm -hmm. and you spend all your effort at all your time trying to make this bike as fast as possible. And you really shave off the ounces and, you know, you really, really work hard to make this the best bike ever. And you've, you've worked whatever X amount of hard on that. Mm -hmm. um, why would you do that when you could build a car and your bad car will get there twice as fast as your awesome bike? Mm. And that was kind of his thing on the shift paradigm. Like, why are we trying to fix this, his opinion, this, this system that's broken when maybe we just need to shift the system? Mm. Yeah, I would agree with him. I think that I don't. I don't look at, and I think this is what what makes a paradigm, right? It's the right. Can I throw a butt in though? But go after that. I had a second conversation with somebody that was um, uh, oh Shelley, whose last name I forget. Oh goodness, um, I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, and she was saying, uh, "What about the small everyday wins? Like, why are we trying to?" turn everything upside down on its head that's challenging that's really difficult that's hard to imagine can't we work towards that with thinking on the everyday wins and the everyday things that we can do you know so like they're not conflicting these people both are mm -hmm. are pushing same similar things but just the the mentality is a bit tough like it's i'm just thinking about someone listening to us talking about these sort of grandiose changes but then also maybe take a step back and say well, what sort of elements of that could I lay in today? Like, how could I bring, you know, a video or YouTube or podcasting mm -hmm. into my class? Maybe now in a smaller element. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily need to, like, cancel my class and send kids to a restaurant for five hours. Maybe <laughs> maybe there's a spot in between. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think there is. And I think part of the – I think the cue there is co-op. There's experiential learning. Like, there's 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 – buffers that are already in existence within our schools that sort of are providing this out of school experience. Um, the, I think the interplay between, or the distance between that, you know, leaving school to get work experience and connect it to curriculum creates a very short walk to, well, why do we, why do we still need to be coming back to the school then? And it's not why as in we shouldn't, it's why as in what should we be doing differently and I think when we start to have those conversations that's what we're seeing happen right now that we're doing school differently whether it's introducing video um, you know streamed video instead of the DVD library that you've had on your shelf or instead of um, asking all the kids to, to take out their pens and pencils and take notes from the overhead you're putting up the LCD projector and you're doing a uh, a common collaborative note in Google, um, you know, a Google document. And then you're sort of getting through some of setting up 
basically doing some of the legwork in a different way so that you can find space to do things differently. So I agree that sort of to get too high up in there, like cataclysmic, like, oh my God, they're getting, I heard Clough say they're getting rid of the 30 credit thing. No, that's not what I'm <laughs> suggesting. But it's, I think it's that exact, um, let's say cataclysmic thinking that kind of keeps us from advocating for interesting changes to the system. Because I don't think it's a dump your binders, burn your binders and sort of flip to digital. I mean, even my teaching right now, if you were to watch me in my classroom, I use the whiteboard, I use computers, I have a tablet, I have my laptop, I have um, like chart paper on the desks. A lot of where I end up landing for me though is kind of capturing and curating it and hanging it in Google Classroom for the kids. Cause then I, cause I basically then have to wipe down all my white erase boards and I wanna put away the paper and I wanna sort of start clean slate. Plus within my classroom, I could have one kid doing math, one kid doing English, one kid doing um, like uh, science. So I don't have that common lesson frame to say, okay, let's all just exist in the same space. So yeah, I, I'm not trying to throw all everything out, but I'm in in keeping everything on the table. I'm asking a lot of whys, a lot of whys. That's excellent. All right, so I got to go in a few minutes here. I got yeah, a couple sure. things I have to do. So anything else we need to hash out here before we uh, call it a day? No, you know what? This was this was awesome. This was really awesome. And like I said, I'm gonna share that song with you. I'll send you the MP3, awesome. or you can. I'll, I, 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 yeah, I think last time I maybe maybe I'll put it. No, I'll send it. I'll just send you the MP3, so you can sort of decide you want to play it. But I'll definitely use it for the lead-in on this. And All right, cool. I, well, uh, I, I really enjoyed talking with you, man. Thanks for uh, letting me come and play. You too. Thanks for the chat.